Another very important uh, announcement. We don't typically do this, but we will. And that is to let you know that tomorrow is not just Labor Day, but tomorrow is Simi Travis's birthday. I got you again. <laughs> I caught her off guard last week, and I put her on the spot this week. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, here we go. We're going to look into this second section of Psalm 1. So turn in your Bibles there, Psalm 1. And again, please remember, if you did not yet pick up a packet for communion, the communion elements, please do that um, at, at this point. It's easier to do it now than later. So uh, we want you to partake in that if, if you so choose to, okay? All right, today... Uh, we're going to look at this passage in verse 2 and 3 of Psalm 1. And I want to, it's kind of obvious, but I want to start with asking the question, what do you delight in? Do you delight in a clean house? Do you delight in uh, a job well done? Do you, do you delight in a baseball team or whatever sport team that's winning? Uh, do you like, delight in a certain kind of look? Um, do you delight in a, a, the reputation of having a, a, a big hot rod car? What's your delight in? And... When I became a believer back in 19, um, 19, what was it? 74. Thank you, Lord. Um, he rescued me and forgave me of my sins. And, um, I thought, okay, this is great. I'm forgiven. I'm a child of God. I know I'm going to heaven and I would sing as I would take my dog on a walk and all that. But as things progressed in my life, I realized that you know, I'm pretty good at this kind of thing here, this, this business of, uh, you know, having a certain kind of reputation in my life. And uh, in college especially, that became like a big deal. You know, um, I enjoyed the, the uh, spotlight of certain things. Um, but I didn't realize at the time what that was doing in my life. And I think you know where I'm going <laughs> Uh, the, the the head issue, the the size of the head grew. <laughs> I I thought I'm pretty cool here, and I delighted in certain things, and they weren't terribly wicked, bad things, but I was delighting in the wrong stuff of life. It was all about me, and so we are being called here today to evaluate it for ourselves again where do we where are we at what are we really truly delighting in last week it was uh, emphasis on a negative kind of a, an approach to the way of the blessed um, Psalm 1, verse 1, gave us, uh, as we said, a spiritual guardrails, if you will, um, to keep us from the slippery slope of the world and its ways, of worldly-minded thinking, and then to motivate us to develop a godly, Christ-centered mindset of how we're thinking. It's critical that all believers think biblically, scripturally. So that was last week's uh, challenge, in a sense, okay? And, and that we are learning to discern between what is good and evil. And today we are reminded or maybe introduced to the blessed person's delight. And that which yields more and more of God's wonderful blessings. And I hope, again, I want to encourage you, think about and give credit to God's blessings in your life and count them. You know, just uh, throughout today... Throughout this week, do your best to remind yourself of God's blessings. Verse 2 in Psalm 1 says this, His delight... Well, wait a minute, we've got to stop with the, start with the first word. What's the first word? But! He's, he's doing this big contrast here. Here's what the blessed man does not do. But! His delight is in the law 
of the Lord, and on his law, or in his law, he meditates day and night. This is a clear and straightforward statement giving us this contrast. Here's what the blessed person does not do. And here's what he or she delights in. In verse 2. And yet, as we stop and weigh it out, I have failed in delighting in the law of the Lord in a perfect and consistent way. But guess who didn't? Thank you. Jesus did not fail in this way. He delighted perfectly and consistently in the law of the Lord. And the problem for me and you is that we get way too easily distracted by our own fancies, by our own, uh, by the many uh, trinkets and toys of this world that the world offers. So it's important for us to really think about this business of what is my delight in life, really, functionally speaking. Not ideally, well, yeah, my, yeah, sure, I delight in the Lord, I delight in the law of the Lord, but actually, what's your delight? It's important that we weigh it out. And I love, I've said, mentioned this quote by C.S. Lewis in the past, and I'll say it again. C.S. Lewis wrote this. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink, with sex, with ambition, when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. So, let's seriously consider what Psalm 1, verse 2 and 3 reveal about the delight of the blessed person. Number one in your outline, if you want to follow along, is, again, an obvious type of statement, is this, the object of this delight, or the subject, if you will. Uh, the object of this delight is the law of the Lord. If you want, turn over to Psalm 19 real quick. Um, there's a number of verses that we want to at least reference here. Psalm 19, verse 7 through 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant ward, warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. We won't read it, but jot down Psalm 119. Here's the A to Z praise chapter for the Word of God. The A to Z chapter for the Word of God. Praising God for His Word. And all those words that we just, those descriptions in Psalm 19 that we read, there's just different aspects of the law of God. The the Word of God. And Psalm, these kind of things are essential. We like that word nowadays. What's essential? Well, Psalm 119 is essential for the individual and the nation of Israel. Essential for them. And through the, the understanding of Psalm 119, there is great security and stability for the nation of Israel. Well, for you as a believer also. Taking in the, the, the jewel of what Psalm 119 talks about. And thus here also in Psalm 1, verse 2. So let's consider three aspects of the law of God. Letter A, number one, it's connections. The law of the Lord. Um, it's also known as the Ten Commandments. What's, you know, and then I think, well, wait a minute. I, I, 
I was supposed to have memorized the Ten Commandments as a boy in church. It didn't mean much to me. It came across as rather negative, uh, narrow-minded. Did any of you think that when you were younger? (laughs) But listen, what does the Ten Commandments really reveal? The law points out our sin. We don't like to talk about that. We don't want that to happen. We'd rather just kind of keep our distance from it. But this is good. Christian, this is good. First of all, really, the law, the Ten Commandments, reveals who God is. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Okay? Don't make any idols. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. The Ten Commandments, revealing God to man and giving humanity exactly what they needed, and that is exposure to their own sin. Can you keep the law? No. That doesn't mean we trash it and just throw it aside. But we thank God that Jesus kept the law. And then when we place faith in Him, His righteousness in keeping the law is, plant, uh, is imputed to us, put to our account. That's the importance behind the things of the Ten Commandments. Well, also the law of the Lord, the connections also go on. The, the, the statement in Psalm 119, Thy word, thy word, it's God's word. It goes into the, it's in the Old Testament and goes into the New Testament. Also, His wisdom. His wisdom is about His word. And then, as I just mentioned, you know, we look at John chapter 1 and we see, here's the word of God. The word of God was in the beginning. And the word was with God. And the word was God. In verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So, Here's this emphasis on all, all springing forth from the law of God, the, the Ten Commandments, the Word of God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now we have the living Word. And it's right here in the Bible. The living Word, you know, being described and in, in some instances in detail telling us how he responded to different people, how he responded in different situations. And then not only the Word of God, but we have the the label of the Scriptures, the Holy Scriptures. Here's the Word of God being written out. And this is critical for us in our day and age. It's what men of God wrote down as they were led by the Holy Spirit, not given their own opinion, but as they were led about by the Holy Spirit, inspired by God, He directed them to write down what God wanted written down, and thus we have the Bible. Here's the, the Gospel. There's another, another way to say it. It's the Gospel. Or another way to say it is the whole counsel of God. The Holy Bible. It's unified. It's a unity of 66 books all pointing to one unified message. And that is, God is there and God is great and man has failed in sin and God provided a Savior in Jesus. So that's what brings us to letter B, the contents. Uh, You say, whoa, wait a minute, we're not going to take on the contents of the Bible here in these few minutes. No, we're not. We're going to do just the summary. And this is one of the best ways that the Bible gets summarized. Okay? Creation. The fall. Redemption. And restoration. There are four words that summarizes the the message of the Bible. Creation, the fall, redemption, restoration. In creation, God is revealed. In the fall, it exposes man and his sin. In redemption, it exalts Jesus Christ alone. Amen? You know, there's no other way of salvation, my friend. And then it calls for a response, which brings about new life. 
restoration in your life. And that, we see, brings about... Here, here's the, the entrance into it. It's faith and repentance. That's the response. It's not like a work. Christ did the work. But the response that you and I have is faith and repentance. That's what Jesus came to do. He, he, he preached that message. To repent and believe. John the Baptist, same thing. Repent and believe. And that's what you and I have to do to become a child of God. That's the response. Faith and repentance. And by the way, sometimes we get into the thinking that, well, I, I already did that. I don't need to do that. You don't need to do that anymore? Yes, you do. Don't get caught thinking that everything's cool with God. No, you, you must continue walking in faith and repentance. Turning away from sin. Turning to God. Um, letter C, number one, the credentials of the law. Well, it's authoritative. It calls us out on the carpet and convicts us. That's the message. Uh, um, that, that there's the, the idea of authority from the Bible. And again, people don't like that because there brings about accountability to this God. You're accountable. I'm accountable to God for our behavior and all. But it is. It's authoritative. And Jesus was known as speaking with authority. And upon his resurrection, he said in Matthew 28, all authority has been given unto me. Also, the Bible, the law, the word, it's reliable, it's trustworthy. It's also powerful, it's life-changing, it's our guide. And folks, it should be our joy and delight. I say should be because a lot of times there's something else in the way. There's something else that causes delight and joy to our lives other than God's Word. Jeremiah 15, verse 16. Jeremiah 15, verse 16. Jot it down. It's a great verse. Thy words were found, and I ate them, and thy words became for me the joy, a joy and the delight of my heart. When you consume the Word, when you take it in and live it out, you digest it, right? And, and live it out. That's the idea uh, that we see there in Jeremiah 15, verse 16. Let's move on. In the back of your outline, number two, the devotion of this delight. The devotion of this delight. is to, Letter A is to meditate on it. And the, the word meditate means, I, I like this, it means to mutter. Mutter. Um, I like to play tennis and I like to play golf. And as I play tennis or as I golf, I mutter to myself, why did you hit it that way? Why did you hit it out of bounds? Whatever, whatever, it, whatever it was, I, I get to talking to myself, muttering, come on, hit it this way or do it this way. You're trying to not just put yourself down, but you're trying to encourage yourself about how to do it next time. That happens all over the place. It happens to you at work. You mutter to yourself about stuff. I mutter to myself about stuff. And Well, the idea is that you would mutter over and over and over again with the law of the Lord. That you would mutter to yourself and repeat it to yourself, reminding you of what you need so that you won't forget, that you will remember. Joshua 1.8, many of us have memorized that and hold it as a dear uh, scripture for us. The book, this book of the law, this book of the law in the Old Testament shall not depart from you, but thou shalt meditate on it day and night so that you might be careful to do according to all that is written therein. Then you'll make your way prosperous. Then you'll have good success. Don't you want that? According to God's way of prospering and God's way of success, don't let the Word depart from your mouth. Memorize it. Well, Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy Word have I, what? 
hid. Or what we might better say is, Thy word have I treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's to be hidden. It's to be stored there. So that we ought to be saying, i got to memorize another verse this week or this month or whatever. I need to memorize it. And then jot down John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 31 through 32, says this. If you, Jesus says this, if you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. (laughs) And by the way, we need that reminder again. Jesus, if you're a Christian, Jesus has set you free from the bondage of sin, from the penalty of sin. We still deal with the presence of sin. Yeah? But you, if you're a believer, you've been set free from it. Let's not go back and put those old clothes back on. Let's not go back and put those old chains on again. Right? Christ has set you free. So, keep speaking the truth to yourself. There's all sorts of stuff that my mind churns up that I'm this or that or this or that. I do much better if I remind myself of what God says about me and my sin or my whatever situation. Talk to yourself, talk truth to yourself from His Word. There are so many emotional problems that people deal with. And they get so overwhelmed with all the stuff of life. If they will continue, they, we must continue to go into the Word and let the Word speak to our hearts. Let the Word speak to our problems. And believe Him. Believe Him that that's what He said, that's true. I wanted to show you some of my muttering reminders, too, before we move on. I, I don't know where I got into this, but I've got muttering notes all over the place. And this is just off the top of my... I was rebuked for leaving a mess on my desk at, in my bedroom. And uh, I'm just kidding. Um, I like to write out verses. And when you take time to write a verse out on your own, there's something added to the effort. So, write them out to yourself. A lot of people like to think of the Bible as God's love letter to us. Well, yeah, that's true. And it's much more. But write out these verses for yourself. And... And ask God to help you putting them into action. So letter B is to activate. Not just to meditate. Um, I've got to activate. And not, you know, it, it's not about just mere head knowledge. We're looking for renewing our minds so that our lives would reflect Christ. Okay. By the way, Christian, God expects you and I to live and talk and walk like His children. We are, we're identified in that way. So live that way. Ask God for His help. That's what the Word will do. It will bring that about. It will bring about refreshing and renewing. I'm not going to read all these verses, but just the idea of behaving like God's children. Ephesians 4.17, we read that last week. Don't walk any longer as the Gentiles. Ephesians chapter 5, 1 and 2. Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you. Chapter 5, verse 8. You were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. In verse 10, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. So, this is the devotion that we have towards this delight of God's Word. I want to meditate on it. I want to speak it to my heart and my life. And I want to live it out, activate it. Number three, number three is the evidences of this delight. The evidences of this delight 
And very simply, you're looking at verse 3 now. He shall be like, or he will be like, a tree. You're living. You're not, that, that's a living thing. We're not talking about a Christmas tree that's chopped down and decorated. We're talking about a tree. Not an artificial tree. Where did they go? We had some artificial trees here. Anyway, a living tree, right? Simply put. And then, letter B, you're firmly planted. And the idea, if you ask Monty and Amy about where you plant a tree, uh, they can tell you, you know, and how to mix the concoction or whatever. I've not done very well in that department, (laughs) but... You put it in good soil with good food so that the roots, what did we say in our song? The roots start growing, reaching out and developing so that the tree gains more and more stability. It's like a tree. Strong. Stable. This is supposed to be the picture of the Christian life. Firmly planted. We had a tree in our front yard in Minnesota, and I probably ran into it two or three times in my life and knocked my head on it, you know, ran into it. You had to play football somewhere, right? But the tree was in the way. Um, but yeah, every time you ran into it, it's, as you know, you're not going to bend it over. You're going to bust your skull on it or something. The storms of life that we face, that's what it's getting at. That you'll stand firm and be have stability in your life when whatever happens will happen. The tree is firmly planted and it's by, let us see, streams of water. There's the steady source for replenishment. And we who know the Lord understand that this is, here's the, the living word, I'm sorry, the living water, the living water, where there's growth and progress in life. Not, well, let's, let's keep moving on here. I have these other thoughts about it, but uh, letter D, we're bearing fruit and providing shade. Bearing fruit. Providing shade. The natural result of living things will be... Here's... It's fruit. Here's... It's blessing to others. The idea of uh, the shade that a tree provides. That's blessing to others. Results for God's glory in the lives of other people. And other people have uh, a sense of well-being and, uh, and pleasure and, and satisfaction because here's a person who has grown in the things of the Lord and shares them. Here's the fruit that they have to share. And again, it's, it's really all for God's glory. We want to give Him the glory in whatever we do. And then letter E, in whatever He does, He prospers. Here's again, this business of his, his blessings. Spiritual prosperity. That's a hot topic nowadays. The idea for believers is whatever happens in life. All of you know. All of you probably have an understanding that everything doesn't go your way in life. There's tough stuff that you have to face. There's surprises in life. There's tragedies in life. How are you responding to those things? And God's riches, God's blessings are given so that you will steady your life on Him. And not get rocked right out of the boat because of all the emotion. That go- and yes, that can happen. We know, many of you know, you get thrown right out of the boat, so to speak, because of what's taken place. But we have some great teaching 
from God's word and great examples from people mentioning God's word about a life that's been stabilized by his presence and by his power and his word in their lives. What's your life like? Do you get blown about by, by stuff that happens? Do you get easily angered, easily irritated? And so, no matter what might happen, the good or the bad, the 2020, haha, new, new adjective for life for us, right? The chaotic, the strange, the awkward, what, God's people can always turn and go to the well of salvation and draw out His goodness. Draw out His blessings. Draw out the water of life. Draw out His promises and thus give glory to Him for His help and His presence. God is a very present help in time of trouble. So prosperity was never really intended to be all about health, wealth kind of teaching. And that's what we have throughout our country in so many places and in the the continent of Africa. It's being pushed. Health, wealth, prosperity kind of teaching. Of course God blesses His people in physical and material ways. But throughout Scripture, it's always been the emphasis on spiritual blessings, on spiritual anchors, resulting in gospel kind of living. So, don't get discouraged if you're not seeing fruit in your life. Fruit takes time, right? We all know that from the natural world. It takes some time to build up the tree and have it to the place where it can produce fruit. But ask God for His help in this way and check out and evaluate your own delight. What is your delight? Number four. Number four, the heights of this delight, the height or the culmination, if you will. It comes with faithful study. It doesn't come by your reputation. It doesn't come by anything else. Really. It just it, here's what it comes from is. Letter A, faithful study of God's word. And letter B, faithful service in his body, the church. Letter A, in faithful study, spiritual life will grow. That's the seed that's been planted in your life. The seed is spiritual growth, Christ-likeness. And it will grow and mature, but not apart from God's word. It's got to be connected with God's Word and God's Spirit bringing application to your life. So to grow and mature, we must partake, we must have intake of His Word. Consider an example here of our prayers. Think about the prayers that you hear. People praying. Those who have spent lots of time in the Word, when you hear them pray, you recognize something. Wow, this, this person knows the Lord in a deeper way than I do. Those that, I mean, and, and I'm not trying... Prayers of all sorts. You know, people are crying out to God, uh, asking God for this and that. That's un- we understand that. We are learning to pray, hopefully. Pray with more uh, maturity in our lives. More according to God's Word in our lives. Prayer. 
prayers found in the New Testament letters to the churches, think about those. Most of them are about praying that God would give a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Prayers that Christians' love might abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. We like the idea, well, we're praying that we'll be a loving congregation. That's, that's important. That's very important. But you know what? We're missing that last little section of understanding and abounding in the love in real knowledge. It comes back to the business of being in the Word of God. So, we, all of that regarding prayers and etc., etc., strongly are implying the need to feed on the Word of God. 1 Peter 2, verse 2, like newborn babes, longing for His Word to grow in respect to salvation. In Ephesians 4, 14, uh, that you might not be blown here and there, blown about by every wind of doctrine. So, we need, and those are just a few examples. We need this business of faithful study. I'm not talking about going to seminary for you. I'm just saying be consistent in being in the Word. And I think all of us understand that that's one of the very problems that I have. I, I skip out on it this day or that day. And I'm not saying this is the requirement. But I tell you what, if you want to grow in your faith, prepare for the storms of life, whatever might come, you better be in the Word. You need to be in the Word. I have encouraged uh, numerous people over time. um, You know, you can read uh, in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 6 today. It's September 6th. you got 31 chapters in Proverbs. Read a chapter a day. Grow in the wisdom of God. Ask God for His help. And then develop it into other, other reading, other, you know, in, in other books uh, uh, in the New Testament or the Old Testament. Letter B is uh, the, the heights of this delight are found in faithful service. It's all for God's honor and glory. It's what Ephesians 2.10, Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, live in them, conduct life in them. Delighting in God's Word leads to delighting in His service. Many of you are involved in serving the Lord in the local church. And this is a part of what we've been saved for. You weren't saved just on your own. You were saved and baptized into the body of Christ. The church. And yes, we have a, a family all the way across the globe who are family members in the church. But it's the visible church that we are talking about here. Your involvement in the local church. And there's really a couple of aspects to this service. And the first one is encouraging and serving others in ministry and outreach opportunities, all in the name of the Lord. Encouraging and serving others. Well, that's what we're trying to do when we go out on the, on the parade route tomorrow. Um, starting Awana this week. It's a matter of trying to encourage and build up other people in the faith. And see that they come to know the Lord Jesus, sharing the gospel. But the other part of service is in what we're doing now. Service in exalting Christ. Another way to define the term serve is worship. That is, that, you know, when you interpret that, that Greek word uh, for worship, it's also interpreted as, as serving. You're serving. That's what the the nation of Israel started learning to do. Active in 
in helping in the tabernacle or in the temple. They were serving. They were worshiping. And so our lives ought to be a lifestyle of worship. That we're exalting Christ during the week. We're exalting Christ in our lives. And so here on a Sunday morning is a matter of receiving the word proclaimed. Um, it's easy to get to thinking about, you know, well, I messed, after the message, I can think, oh, I messed up here, I messed up there. Or, uh, critique, critique, critique. But the thing I've learned over the years is you pray. You pray about the message and you pray for the hearers. You pray and we together pray for the proclamation of the word. In serving... We exalt Christ by receiving the word proclaimed. And by the way, if we ever start not preaching the word, you ought to speak up and tell us. Right? Yeah. And thank the Lord for a faithful uh, teaching pastor here. Praise God. In stimulating one another to love and good works. That's another part of being together. Um, stimulating one another to love and good works. Not a whole lot of other stuff that piles into my mind that comes, interrupts my thinking about, oh, the weather or about this thing or that thing about like, yeah, those can be good things to talk about, but really stimulate one another to love and good works for God's honor and glory. And then finally, service in exalting Christ in receiving the Lord's Supper. We sing, we hear the word, and here on the first day of the month, or first Sunday of the month, we share in the, in the communion, the, the Lord's Supper. Folks, this is worship. What we'll do in a moment here is worship. And it's not to be treated lightly. Not to be treated frivolous. It's where we come again to exalt the Lord, the preeminent one. And oh, by the way, Being the living word, he needs to be our delight. He himself. And so we come to this time of communion. And it's important that we we take time to exalt Christ by remembering his death. We remember his death. It was one of the most profound studies that I did back in college and continue to touch on in in ministry life, and that is understanding what Christ went through in dying in my place. Physically, it was the most brutal form of death anyone ever could deal with. And we need to let that sink in. But you know what's more important than the brutality of the crucifixion? I think you know that the, the, that the Father's wrath was poured out on His Son. The Father's wrath for my sin and your sin was poured out on the perfect, spotless Lamb of God. So it's very important that we remember the perfect, spotless, sinless Lamb of God who bore my sin and the sin of the world in His body. He took our place on the cross. He took our punishment. He took the wrath of God in my place. That's how we need to remember his death. And it's also, communion is also a time of examination. To examine ourselves. I tell you what, the older I get, the more I realize how often it's so easy to pull the curtains on my thinking. And make me, you know, cause me to think, hey, it's okay. I'm, I'm fine. And I'm not trying to load extra over overwhelming guilt on us. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just saying the nature of our lives and the way we think 
It's so prone to protect ourselves and to, you know, keep things at a distance, so to speak. But one of the best things that could ever happen is for God's Spirit to convict you of sin. That's one of the best things ever. Because the solution of Jesus Christ frees you. You're free. You've been set free, brother. You've been set free, sister. You've been set free. You don't have to serve sin anymore. Now, the Bible says in Romans 6, you're a, you're a slave to Jesus. You're a slave to righteousness. Amen? That's what ought to be in our minds. We need to be reminding ourselves of that. So I, I remember his death. I take time to examine my own heart and I confess sin to him. And then I want to receive the elements with thankfulness. Just simply being thankful, receiving this representation. Nothing happens to this. It's just a representation of his body broken for you. And then the juice. A representation of His blood shed for you. And finally, communion really then ends up being a time of resolve. A time to then go out and live as He wants us to live. So, with that in mind, would you prepare for our partaking of communion? Start with the cracker, the bread, and it's always good to keep going back to 1 Corinthians 11, where Paul writes to the Corinthian church, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night while he was being betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray first. Lord, we thank you so much for your word and what it points us to and the truth that is in your word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for Jesus Lord Jesus, we praise you and lift you up for what you came to do to accomplish. And you cried out from the cross that it is finished. You didn't left the job undone. And we don't have to add something to it to make ourselves more righteous. Because we bank on your righteousness. Thank you. Thank you for going to the cross and taking our place. Help us, Lord, in drawing near to you and walking with you here. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let's partake together. And if you'll carefully take the cup and get yourselves ready to take in the, the cup, the drink that we have here. Let's pray together. Lord, we again bow to say thank you for the perfect sacrifice on Jesus' part. The perfect, spotless Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So, Lord, we thank you that your life was taken. And we thank you for the great salvation that is in you. We praise you in Jesus' name. And when he had given thanks, he said, this is, uh, I'm sorry, in the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me.
For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Would you please stand for the closing portion of our service? We will have someone up front following um, the closing prayer for if you need prayer, uh, encouragement, or um, concern over something going on, uh, you can come up and pray with the folks up front. I want to just encourage you about this one idea of delight one final time. We, we get so um, overloaded with ideas and thoughts in our minds. And so often those things can turn into little idols in our lives. And I need help in this. We all need help in this to remind each other that Jesus Christ alone is the delight of our soul. And that as you spend time communing with Him, communing, just like we've said this is communion, well, commune with Him in His Word and throughout the day. Just keep pushing yourself and your your loved ones towards that way. To speak truth to yourself. And to lift up Christ. And yeah, we started with, I want to be like a tree. I saw not many were singing. (laughs) But it's still, here's the issue. Some of these songs help lead me back to the word. And so, may your song be about Jesus throughout this week. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you again for the gathering that we've had. And and Lord, we pray that you would please keep us healthy and strong. And um, thank you for the blessing of joining together in worship. Thank you for the blessing of this day. Thank you, Lord, for the many blessings that are throughout our pathway and throughout our journey all throughout life. Lord, I'm so grateful to you for being faithful in every way. Lord, I pray that you would be growing us in our lives because we're relying on you and your word. God, be helping us in the struggles that we're dealing with. Please help people here who have uh, difficulty getting over an addiction or over some emotional trauma. Lord, be their strength, please, dear Lord. Thank you for this day and our time together. And now... Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Glory be to the Lord. You are dismissed. Have a great day.